Hello, and welcome to Gimme the Creeps. Hello. If you've been here before, welcome back. Ooh, real quick. Today is my mom's birthday, and I was going to call her and put her on here, but first of all, she likes her privacy, and second of all, I don't know what is going to come out of that woman's mouth sometimes, so so I just thought I wouldn't do it. Dude, that would have been so cute. She's so sweet. She really is. I could have told her happy birthday. You could have. We'll invite her to the show. She would be so embarrassed. She would do no talking. She wouldn't. She's so cute. And then she'd be like, (laughs) I mean, Abby. (laughs) She's just so so nervous all the time. But, um, uh, oh, uh, in other news, today is also special because Daniela shared some devious news with me today by sending me a screenshot. Tell him about it. Today, we have 666 plays of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you all so much for that devilish honor. Whether or not that number is of the beast, we are gracious for that many listens across all of the streaming platforms. And thank you all for the support. We love y'all. Um, we love all y'all is what I wrote down, which is so Texan. All y'all. We love all of y'all the same, but a special shout out to our listeners of Ireland, Canada, the UK, and South Africa. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. Yes. Very exciting. Now I guess I'm going to have to start referring to holidays and stuff as being US holidays because that way it makes more sense to the other listeners that are living in other countries. Um, Speaking of holidays, this is going to be our Mother's Day special. I know that it's coming out on Friday. But this is for Mother's Day, and I have a little tidbit of history about Mother's Day. President Woodrow Wilson made Mother's Day an official holiday in 1914, and from that day forward in 1914, every second Sunday of May was proclaimed as the day to show our appreciation to our mothers. But it was actually Anna Jarvis who started the idea and put it into action. On May 10th, 1908, Anna Jarvis sent 500 white carnations to Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in her hometown of Gafton, West Virginia, to honor her late mother. However, the holiday is not to celebrate our own mother. It was meant to be a day where mothers organized and found ways to aid less fortunate mothers. Jarvis's own mother had the original idea of such a day to help other mothers. And the reason for her mother's form of commemoration was the tragedy of how common the loss of pregnancy or the loss of a child was in the 19th and 20th century. Of her 13 children that she bore, only four survived to adulthood. In 1858, while she was pregnant for the sixth time, Jarvis enlisted the help of her brother, Dr. James Reeves, who was involved in treating victims of the typhoid fever epidemic to try to improve the the situation. They organized events at which doctors were invited to lead discussions with local mothers on the latest hygiene practices that could keep their children healthy. They called the events Mother's Day Work Clubs. Wow. Weird, right? I didn't know yeah, that. I did not know that either. That makes a whole lot of fucking sense. Ooh, and if we use May 10th of 1908 as the first official celebration of Mother's Day before it was instituted as a national holiday in the U.S., then this Sunday, May 10th, will be the 112th anniversary of the holiday, but like it lands on the same day. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I wonder how many other 
May tenths have like fallen exactly on the second Sunday of each May. Or if this is the first, this wouldn't be the first. I'm not going to do math right now. Don't ask me. <laughs> There's a way to figure it out, but I'm I'm lazy. So anyways, that's interesting. Yeah. I wish we did do that. I wish we did. But it, now it's all about, you know, um, I'm getting my mom a pedicure. What are you doing for your mom? Ooh, a candle yeah. and a card. Not good enough. Time to post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with every other holiday. It's just yeah, a... With everything. <laughs> exactly. It sucks. I don't believe in gifts. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> I don't believe in gifts. I feel that? bad when people give me gifts um, because I don't get other people gifts. Mainly because I suck at giving gifts. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love... Like, I have that mug still. That I got for you, and that I'm gonna get get to you somehow. I don't know when, <laughs> but I still have that mug, and um, like I'll do little thoughtful things like that. But when it comes to like, I feel like I'm in the pressure cooker when I know someone's birthday is coming. Yeah, or you know, Christmas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, oh, I have to get like such a thoughtful gift that no one else is gonna get, and it can't be like a gift card or it can't be this or that. And then I just end up, I'm like, I better just not get them anything because it'll just suck. Well, most of the time, I feel like even if you do put a thought into what the fuck you're getting, they still are True. like, this is not. Like, you thought you put a lot of thought into it, but they're like, no, this is not good. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about me. And if I feel like my attempt is going to not work out, I just won't. I'm just like, forget it. I'm, I'm not even going to try because it's cooler to not even try. <laughs> Is it shit? <laughs> I don't know. It's not, I don't know why I think like that. I wonder if anyone else feels the same. I'm sure oh, there's Lord. I'm sure there's a good handful of people that feel that same way. I literally have a book that I was supposed to make for a class um that I painted. I'll have to show it to you. I painted a, a little bird and she flies around the world and she meets other animals from like the desert or like the tundra. And she's like, Oh, you're a lizard and you have really dry skin. Why is that? And they're like, because of my environment, I didn't finish that fucking book because I thought it was going to be lame. So I didn't turn it in and I took a zero. Are you serious right now, Abby? There are so many, you know, I've lectured myself about this same thing. So, you know, I get it, but but yes, it's true. And now looking back, I'm like, I should have just turned in the half of because I literally painted. It was it was it was nice. I don't know why I just gave up halfway through it and was like, this is not gonna. I don't know how to end this book. I don't know how to finish the paintings. What other animals live in other regions? I just panic. I go into panic mode. It's not gonna be good. I'll mm-hmm. take a zero. It's been That's multiple times. Like Abby. It's true. It's with a lot of things. <laughs> trying to get a hold of myself here <laughs> panic <laughs> it is it literally just thinking about it is making me nervous i, I don't even have to, the yeah. grade is there it's it's over with i don't know why i'll I dig up the book it. again and be like god damn it i should have just turned it in you're <laughs> <laughs> the panic rising it's such a weird anxiety and we i mean we've brought it up time and time again about what nightmares we have that give us anxiety in school mm-hmm. which is always thing but anyways back to mothers tell me a story on uh, a story about your mom that's interesting or funny or creepy or oh man you put me on the spot <laughs> it's gotta be just anything off the top of your head that you'd like to share on mother's day 
Um, my mom is, oh, I guess I could tell you about my mom attempting to lucid dream. Ooh. She, she, like, whenever I was younger, she started to, like, dabble in, like, stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. She has, like, a really crazy good intuition. Like, it's always on point. So um, she was like, I want to start lucid dreaming and all this stuff. So she, like, bought a book and, like, she tried to do it and stuff. I think Mm -hmm. she tried it, like, once or twice and then she, like, scared herself because she's like, I think I can do all of these things, but I'm afraid to because I don't want to, like, open a door to anything. I don't want to, like, go in too deep and then something scary happens. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that has stuck with me for a really long time. I think it's been, like, at least 15 years since she told me that. But, yeah, I think if she really tried, like, if she really, like, applied herself to stuff like that, she would be able to do a lot of crazy stuff. That makes sense. I mean, you got it from somewhere. I mean, I'm assuming your dad also. No. But, um, no? no? Oh, wow. My mom's just very strong. It's definitely from my mom's side. Yeah, my mom's side. My grandma's dad was uh, some sort of. My grandma says that he was a witch of some sort, but mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. But he like dabbled in all kinds of stuff like that. So, oh my god, I almost sounded like an offensive. What happened? Non non person of color. I was like, oh, in his village, <laughs> or some shit like that. Because you know, people think they seem to think that our ancestors are like one generation behind us or something. Yeah. So I almost said that. I was like, no, he probably lived in a regular <laughs> area. He lived in a, uh, I don't, I, I mean, it was a neighborhood, but they like called a it Pueblo? a. No, I'm just kidding. Barrio? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There we go. I mean, that's it is Cinco de Mayo. So oh, yeah. you know, let's, take our, <laughs> let's take our chance to um, educate. Yes. Educate. I try so hard not to get yeah. irritated yeah. over. Take education. Oh, my dad always calls at this time. Oh, every Tuesday at five. <laughs> I don't know answer this time, but um, <laughs> because he'll just talk and talk. But I'll call him back later. Um, but yeah, that's where it's weird because me and my grandma were just talking about that earlier. Because her, she like found a niece, like a long lost niece. Is that the right word? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So her dad, like, was a whore, basically, and he, like, slept with all these ladies. So, like, Mm -hmm. she, me and my other family, like, got on Ancestry.com and, like, we found all these people. And, like, these people found us, like, through the DNA thing or whatever that they did and I did and stuff. So my grandma found – a niece this way and her niece is into that stuff too like she'll I guess it's like more curandera stuff because she like Mm -hmm. has remedies for everything but my grandma was just saying that she definitely takes after my grandpa or my great grandpa and yeah she gets that so 
and so do you. So I was like, oh, great. How sweet. <clears throat> yeah. But I feel like my mom, if she would just let herself, she could potentially it's do never, all these things. So. It's never too late to try. That would be a, a good book to write about. I feel like we struggle so hard to hold on to, especially like being raised in the United States, we struggle holding on to our heritage and our culture. Mm -hmm. And whenever we try to, it's like either like don't try because you're not going to be at that level. I don't know. It's like, it's strange. It's a strange struggle that people deal with that. No, nobody really talks about. I mean, we talk about the main things that we struggle with, but not that like trying to understand where we came from, but not act like we're denying what we're at. Like we're in the United States, we speak English, we're modern women. We've left behind certain traditional ideas, but we still cherish, you know, where we came from Mm -hmm. and all of those things. And so it's, it's important to like, I guess my mom wrote down a lot of her life in a journal. So that's good. But before my mom, I don't really know much about, yeah. That would be cool if she had a book, mm-hmm. made it into a book. That was her goal. But um, yeah, just different things. That way we can stay connected to our roots. It's pretty important. Mm-hmm. But um, I also didn't plan this. Uh, it just literally came to me to ask us about a story about our moms. So I also have to think on that. I'll just think of a random, I'll just think of a spooky story. Mm-hmm. Um, they love telling this this story. My my uncles and my aunts were probably teenagers, um, older, probably like 16 to like 19 years old. And my mom was the oldest and she was like 21, 22 or something. They were sitting at the table playing cards and my grandpa and my grandma would always joke around about playing games after midnight. Mm-hmm. So they were playing cards. I don't remember what game sitting at the table in the kitchen at my grandma's house. And uh, they were messing around about spirits and stuff and, and picking on my mom about it and stuff. And then they heard something at the porch at the back door behind the, the dining table. And she was like, if that was a ghost, you better knock again. And then they heard a knock and mm. shoom, they ran out of there into the freaking hallway. They were like, oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> that is scary. Your mom. I know. I wonder if it was like one of the neighbor kids like messing around or something. But that's a story they love to tell. Oh, that's cute. That kind of stuff happens every time I go over to your house. She still tells me that she hears noises all the time and that she's not scared of not scared anymore of them. But yeah, she was all brave the last time. She was like, what was that? I was like, are you serious right now? Oh, yeah, we did hear something. And I think you had done tarot readings. Yeah. And then she was like, imagine if something was there in the window. I was like, why would you we, Dude, imagine imagine growing up with that shit. That's why I do that shit. You know how I'm always asking you, ooh, what if this? What if that? Yeah, Guess where I got yeah. it from? Mm-hmm. Our imaginations. I but scared the shit out of me. And I was like, great. I have to walk out there. And she just terrified me. <laughs> imagine how how well the Ouija board would work if you, me, my mom, my brother, and Amber were all using it. Oh, hell no. I feel like your mom would fuck <laughs> around, though, and she'd push it. Only out of fear, probably. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I can just see her face. <laughs> <laughs> She's so funny. 
cute. <laughs> <laughs> she always has like a, a concerned look, even whenever I'm like, okay, get the Ouija board out with me and my brother, just like picking on her. Because you can tell she wants to out of curiosity, but then she's like scared. Yes. She's like, what if it stays here at my house? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure her little brain is hard at work. <laughs> All right. So getting down to it, I am going to be honest and say I struggled choosing an episode this time around, but I'm pretty happy with my final choice. Um, but I will give a warning right at the top that this is not for the faint of heart. The details are gory and graphic, but just know that she survives, and so does her baby. Um, and it's an incredible story that deserves to be told. So um, I try. I just tried to be sensitive to mothers out there by not sharing the focus of the episode's theme um, or honors with like murderous mothers or criminals who don't care about being mothers. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like choosing it. For, I mean, there's going to be other times to talk about horrible people in general. So I just chose this one to uh, share her amazing story. So I chose the story of Tika Adams. Okay. I first heard of uh, I first heard of her story on my favorite murder episode 117 and I heard heard it a while back and it's stuck with me ever since but Tika had actually shared her story on the season three finale of I survived and I'm super bummed because I could not find this episode streaming anywhere until literally like two hours ago. <laughs> where she tells it from her point of view. Yeah, I went all over the place looking for this episode. And on IMDb, it was like season six, episode eight. But on other things, it was season three. And season three was like completely taken off of certain I survived things, like streaming on other places. So it was tough. And then I finally was able to log into Lifetime TV through my through my Hulu. And then I had to log into my Hulu through my Sprint account. So I like jumped through hoops to like, find this episode but anyway it was worth it do what you did watch it yes i did and i and i feel bad because i skipped through because they have three survivors at a time or you know per episode most of the time telling their individual stories unless it's like two people that shared the same story and then they'll have two other people so i skipped through i skipped through theirs it was a a man who survived a bear attack and then a woman who survived an ex-marine with a gun it was intense the whole episode was going to be intense but i just i wanted to listen to tika's because i had waited so long and had very little time so i skipped through but anyway, yeah, it was worth it. And I used a Washington Post article also for other details, which there are going to be some inconsistencies throughout. But I mean, if she blocked out certain memories, I wouldn't blame her or, you know, didn't get certain things right. And her memory came back later, then it's understandable. The Washington Post staff writers are Liza Mundy and Matt Zapotowski. Zapotowski. And uh, the article is from June 16th, 2010. So this incident happened at the end of uh, 2009, and I'm going to just get started. Okay. In 2009, 29-year-old Tika Adams was in a tough time in her life. She had been a drifter and was on and off drugs for some years. Tika's childhood was pretty sheltered until her teens. She had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and didn't like taking her medication. When her parents split and she reached a a rebellious stage, she started running away when she was 14. When she ran away and didn't come back, she lost connection to her family and called infrequently. She had a daughter, Sadie, when she was 23 and had her mother keep her. But she had begun rebuilding the relationship and was proud when Sadie called her mother. She was ready for positive change and wrote a poem about it. 
As the sun begins to go down, I take a good look in the mirror at me. Damn, I must admit, I'm liking what I see. She was happier now. She had decided to move into a homeless shelter run by the Community for Creative Nonviolence in downtown D.C. She was seven and a half months pregnant and had just gotten married in September to a man she'd met, met there at the shelter named Ronald Bell. Everyone called him PJ. She began receiving calls from an unknown number around October. She finally answered and became excited when a woman offered to give her baby clothes and other items. She introduced herself as Stephanie Mills, and she was, and she said she was with an organization that helped pregnant women in need. Her husband was unsure of the stranger and told her not to rush into anything that she didn't know about, but the woman had been calling for months and sounded so sweet and gave details like she had been referred to her by a CCNV staffer. So Tika agreed, and Stephanie was to pick her up and take her to the storage facility in Maryland, where the baby supplies were. By this time, Tika had moved to a maternity home run by a Queen of Peace Missionaries of Charity. Nuns cooked and stocked the fridge for six women who lived there. She had her own room with windows and some furniture. That day, PJ was set to get out of the court-ordered residential therapy program that he was in for family-related issues. He had been calling that day as he would regularly, Um, except this time he was worried. He asked why the woman couldn't just bring her the items. So on Wednesday, December 2nd, 2009, Stephanie picked up Tika outside the home to bring her over to select the items that she'd like to take. They chatted for a while about the pregnancy, and then Stephanie mentioned that she was having car trouble and needed to stop at her apartment in Suitland to call someone to fix it. Tika didn't think much of this considering they had canceled their earlier meeting meeting date back in November over Thanksgiving time due to the car having issues. They arrive at Stephanie's apartment where she puts on the movie Precious and Tika settles in and waits patiently. PJ calls and asks where she is, wanting to come get her. The home rules were that she had to return by midday. The truth was she didn't know where she was and all she mustered was, I'm fine, as reassuring as she could. They were re- they were watching a bootleg copy of Precious. Why did I mention that twice? Maybe <laughs> because that that movie is like not a movie you watch with a stranger. But anyways, yeah, that's so weird. It's a very heavy movie. By the end of the third movie, a heavy quilt is suddenly thrown over Tika's head, and she is beaten repeatedly in the head. Tika jumps up, sees only blood, and her adrenaline is rushing. She charges the attacker and takes the box cutter that's in her hand. She attempted to run to the front door, however, it was bolted, chain-locked, and the, the knob lock was locked. She throws the box cutter across the room, the attacker comes at her, and they are wrestling. Tika fights her off as she's being choked. <clears throat> Stephanie picks up a fire poker and swings it at her head about 40 times. Tika goes down, and she pulls, and she pulls her by her ankles towards the kitchen. There's rattling in the kitchen, and Tika can see that she has returned to her side with a box cutter in her hand again. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, just wait. Remember, if you have a weak stomach, you can skip this portion of the episode, but just remember that she survived, and and so so did her little baby, so it's completely understandable if you want to skip anyway, though, because it gets pretty graphic. She realizes what's happening. Stephanie is using the box cutter to cut into her side. Mm. She's trying to take her baby. Oh, no. I know. Oh, my God. And the fact that her husband, like, had a feeling. Yes. Stephanie stops after some time and lies next to Tika, praying to God for forgiveness. Tika has no energy and just lies there helpless. The attacker begins to clean up the blood, talking about how her son will be home soon and there can't be blood in here. What the fuck? Can you get up? She asks. 
I don't think I can, says Tika. I'm in a lot of pain and I don't think I can move. Well, I'm going to help you. The attacker takes Tika to the bedroom where she lays her on a mattress on the floor. At this point, Tika's bleeding has slowed and stopped. She takes her phone and turns it off. And when I say she, I mean um, the attacker. I, it's hard to differentiate sometimes, but mm-hmm. Stephanie takes her phone and turns it off. Tika starts talking about how people are going to look for her. She talks about her family and Stephanie's family and that she wouldn't say anything because she doesn't believe in families being kept apart. Tika asked Stephanie whether she was going to let her go. I don't know, the woman said. I have to figure out how I'm going to get out of this. As evening approached, Stephanie began looking out the window. Tika fell asleep. When she woke, it was Thursday. In the evening, Stephanie said she was bringing her son Derek into the bedroom. Tika feared that she was being he was being brought back to rape her. Instructed by his mother, Derek grabbed Tika's wrists, gripped them tight because she's a fighter. Stephanie said when Tika resisted. She told Tika, if you scream or do anything, then we're going to have to hurt you. Tika stayed still while the son held her wrists and Stephanie wound duct tape around them. She also bound Tika's ankles, then tied her wrists to her ankles. She let Tika lie there Thursday night, sometimes feeding her greens. Tika decided that the best approach was to be passive and bide her time. On Friday, Stephanie unwrapped the duct tape and let Tika take a shower to wash off the blood matted in her hair. Then Stephanie took her hands and began cutting her fingernails. Why are you cutting my fingernails? Tika asked. Because my DNA is going to be under your fingernails, Stephanie replied. To Tika, the explanation was ominous. She still had no idea what the woman had in mind. The attacker put more movies on, and Tika, after laying awake most of the night, eventually falls asleep. The next day, Tika notices her more relaxed and still pacing around the apartment. She had not left Tika alone for too long, not even showering herself. Over the course of the next three days, Tika examined the room, burning it into her memory. She thought of ways to escape, like possibly throwing the TV through the window. She pleaded to the captor about taking her to the hospital and telling her that she would lose everything by being discharged from the home within 48 hours without calling. The captor grew more and more nervous, making calls to check flights and train schedules. PJ had been calling Tika nonstop certain that something was wrong but not knowing how to help her. He reached her father, who searched the old neighborhoods where they where she used to run away to. By Saturday, Tika says, why don't you just kill me? Stephanie said, I gotta get out of here. Tika is relieved for a moment, considering that she, she may just leave her there, but at the same time, she knows that she won't leave her alive because she knows what she looks like, what car she drives, and where she lives. Mm. Why do you have me here? Tika would ask her sometimes. Why don't you just drop me in front of a hospital, push me out of the car, and pull off? The woman wouldn't explain, but would often begin to pace nervously again. Now she was in the bedroom, talking to Tika. What I'm getting ready to do to you is not going to kill you, the woman said. After the first failed attempt to take the baby from the womb, she comes in with a metal bowl of ice, a rag in the bowl, another rag over her shoulder, two box cutters, a knife, and scissors, and a lot of towels. How I understand it, this is day three or four of being in this apartment with her attacker. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is I watched the episode first and then I read through the article, which went back and forth sometimes. So it was hard to keep track. But Wednesday is when she was taken and Saturday is the final day. So within these four days, all of this has happened and it's just been repetitive movies eating. And then there's like a bowl in the corner for her to use the bathroom. And it's just been her being captive this whole time. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, you're just in there and you don't even know where you are? Nope. That's terrifying. Uh, And have, oh, my gosh, and being pregnant. Oh, my God. 
Tika has a do-rag tying her wrists together now, and she stuffed a cloth in Tika's mouth and is and duct-taped around her head and her face. She could only breathe from her nose. The captor starts cutting right above the pelvis. Tika felt everything. She was tied up and weak from blood loss. She couldn't move, and she was ridden with pain. She took small breaks and then would get on the phone again. And at that point, she was just nipping at the skin. There were no clean cuts to get through the layers of muscle and skin. You know, it was just slow cutting of her stomach, pretty much. Ugh. Oh, my God. Here's where it gets really bad. Um, not even my favorite murder. Uh, Karen didn't put this in, in that episode, but I did. So brace yourselves or skip ahead like 30 seconds. So this fucking bitch cuts her bladder open thinking that it's her uterus. Oh, no. And Tika feels the fluid running out of it, and she can tell that it's her bladder. I don't know how, but she can tell that it's her bladder. But then Stephanie blatantly asks Tika if she's ready for the baby to be taken out. Um, Tika is weak and asks for a break and that she's in a lot of pain and would like to sleep. The most disturbing part of this is that in the background, the movie, This Is It, and it was bootlegged, Tika says, because that movie hadn't even come out yet. Mm -hmm. So this lady just has a bunch of bootleg movies. Anyways, I'm not going to discuss that (laughs) because that's pretty common. But the most disturbing part was that this movie was playing in the background and um, with Michael Jackson singing and talking and stuff. And the attacker keeps going over and like stopping what she's doing going over to the remote and turning up the volume rewinding it to the music or the talking parts that she might like like i guess what? Uh, or or it might just be that she was trying to mask the sounds of tika screaming as she's being cut yeah. i can't tell either way mm. holy crap like that is so disturbing this crazy ass bitch and then in the episode tika offers some some comedic relief by saying that in the midst like in the midst of her telling the story she stops and she's specifically like i hate michael jackson why is she playing this <laughs> so it was pretty funny it was pretty funny for a second but then it goes back to the fucking horrific nightmare that's happening so tika passes out and when she comes to she sees stephanie asleep in the fetal position she tries to see if she can get up she rolls over to her side her ring hits the metal bowl oh shit But Stephanie is still asleep. She gets on her elbows and knees and asks God for some type of strength from somewhere. If she can get up, she knows she can get out. She starts trying to leave, and as she steps over her body, blood falls on the blanket. She is hoping she doesn't move while she's walking over her. She walks to the hall, almost to the door, and her insides fall out of her. Oh my god. Her stomach and her intestines have fallen, and she calmly breathes and walks towards the door while holding her insides. Oh, my God. I know. Um, She said every breath was just an extreme amount of pain. So on top of just trying to calmly breathe to not freak out, it was also because it hurt to breathe. She unlocked and opened the door as quietly as possible, but the door creaked, and she hurried out. She starts knocking on all the doors, and nobody answers, and she collapses on the stairs. The attacker finds her. uh, The article says that the son finds her first, but she kicks him with enough force to have him back away. And I don't know if he knows what's going on or not, but, I mean, he obviously helped her tie her up. So Mm -hmm. what the fuck? I think the son was, like, 17, and the mom is, like, 40. The attacker finds her and tries to lift her from under her arms and tries covering her mouth, but Tika is biting and struggling. A man from the third floor has come down asking what's happening. 
Stephanie is saying that Tika is crazy and that she's just trying to help her. But Tika says, please help me. She's trying to kill me. He is shocked as she lifts up her navy blue shirt that had previously been hiding the bloody mess underneath. He says, oh, I'm calling the cops and ran upstairs. (laughs) Yeah, he freaked out. God, that part made me laugh too, but that's really how he said it whenever she um, was telling the story. The attacker looks at Tika with a look that says, I should have killed you, and then she flees. Tika lies on the stairs waiting for help to arrive. The EMT asks if she's hurt and she says yes. I have cuts and I've been beaten. Once again, she lifts up her shirt and he is in awe of the damage. She is rushed to the hospital and when she wakes up, she sees her husband PJ and then the nurse comes in and says, you gave birth to an eight pound, two ounce baby girl. (sighs) The baby girl was named Miracle. Oh. (laughs) So it turns, I know I'm going to cry. I'm already crying. So it turns out that the baby was balled up at the top of her abdomen the whole time. So she stayed safe. And um, they say that this whole thing was happening, I guess, if you count back to through the months, if she was seven and a half months pregnant at the time she got married and all that, then she was nine months pregnant and she was due to give birth the following day after that. So the baby should have been at the bottom of her uterus. Yeah. Isn't that just something that like if weird, maybe it was her communicating telepathically to her baby that like, th- I'm afraid things are not right right now. So just stay safe up there mm-hmm. until it's safe. Like that's just insane to me. Tika was told that due to the damage to her body, she would not be able to have any more children. And it was so sad. She was very sad. But she says, because at the end of every I Survived episode, they ask, why did you survive? She says, I survived because I was coming to a point of my life where I was starting to love myself and respect myself and cherish life. And I also survived because of God and my support system. I know a lot of people love me and I know God loves me. And you know what they say, God looks after babies and fools. And at that time, I had a baby and I was a fool. Yep. Wow. And if that doesn't bring you to tears, then, well, God damn it, you're so tough, aren't you? (laughs) (sighs) You'd have to see the episode. But So the episode ends with saying that she now lives in an apartment with her family in Washington, D.C. And she had her daughter, Sadie, back. So it was two girls and then her and her husband. She had to take, she had to get therapy to heal mentally after she was physically healed and um, she has separation anxiety and things like that. Of course. The captor's real name was Veronica Deramis. She was 40 years old and had several past charges, including forgery and identity fraud. At one point, she worked as a medical assistant at a pediatric practice in Falls Church, according to an anonymous coworker. What? Who the coworker was actually the person she screwed over with fraud by using her credit cards, I think, and then pinning her with all the charges from her apartment somehow um, at a different time. So she she was just a, a fucking scammer. The coworker stated that she had grown close to pregnant people that were on the staff at the pediatric practice, mm-hmm. and that she heard when Veronica was out of jail for fraud that she worked as a cocktail server and was telling people there that she was pregnant so it was like a lie that she was building up dude what the fuck fetal abduction by cesarean section is what she was attempting to do and it's actually pretty not common but it's been done before and according to wikipedia 
of the current list of 25 reported cases, not including the attempts, so not even including this one that I just told, four of the mothers and 13 of the fetuses survived out of the 25 reported. So that's that's wow. really sad. Yeah. That does remind me of, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, uh, a girl that pretty much the same thing happened to her. She met this lady uh, through Facebook. They were going to like the lady was going to give her uh, baby stuff. And so she went and she met her and she ended up, she killed her and mm-hmm, she kept mm-hmm. the baby, but she was lying and telling everybody that she was pregnant too at first. Yes. That happened in 2019 in May. And I heard about it on the news. There it it might be the same one. I think, I think it, it was a, two Hispanic ladies, yes, right? Yes. She offered to, yeah. she offered the same thing to get her some supplies. Yeah. Yeah, she was gonna give her. She had like old baby stuff that she was gonna give her, but yeah, that was yes. that was it. God I think. Damn. The nuns at the home were that they were they were not only sad and horrified by what happened to um, my dad is trying to Google Duo me right now for, <laughs> um, but I'll call him back. They had tried. They had been upset about what happened to her, obviously, but then the fact that that woman used charity to lure her was that's just so evil, yeah. like. You have someone that's down on their luck and you're going to victimize them like this mm. to this extent. It's just awful. I'm going to pull up the court case real quick because I didn't write it down. Long story short, Tika was pissed. Like she had no, she was not afraid of her captor. She was like in, in court, they had to hold her back. She tried to attack her like two or three times whenever she was on the stand, whenever um, Veronica was on the stand and her dad had to go up there and pull her back. Because she wanted to kill that woman for what she did to her. But just wait for the story that she tried to. And if anything, it was to plant doubt in the judge or in whoever was hearing the court case. It was to to make them rethink what, what happened. But she tried to say that she met Tika at a bar like mo- a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And that they had she had discussed having an abortion and that she wished... That someone would take the baby. Oh, here it is. Okay, finally, it's working. In Prince George's County Circuit Court on Friday afternoon, um, November 5th, 2010. So this had kind of dragged on uh, in terms of like trial and stuff. Duramis, her defense was, she told the judge that Adams had agreed to sell the unborn child for $5,000. And Adams got pissed. And she said that Veronica said... There were clothes that she had bought in anticipation of the baby girl's arrival, and Adams stood and lunged in her direction, asking her for proof. Oh, shit. Like, where are the clothes at? Fight me right now. Like, she was just pissed. Mm-hmm. It drew national media attention in December um, when she had escaped, so a lot of people were watching this trial. Mm-hmm. Before the screaming and the drama, Judge Philip Nichols Jr. accepted that Veronica was guilty or she accepted the guilty plea to first degree assault and sentenced her to 25 years in prison. And he also accepted the guilty plea to false imprisonment under the Alford doctrine, meaning that Veronica did not admit the guilt to the charge, but acknowledged the strength of the case against her and gave her a life sentence with all but 15 years suspended. And the two sentences will run concurrently. And it's all arranged as part of a plea bargain before Veronica or Adam spoke. So it was already set in stone what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They tried to say that Veronica was insane. And they and then Veronica also said that her intention, because a lot of times with trials and stuff like this, they have to 
solidify that the intentions were to murder her. Yeah. But if they weren't, then the then the sentence gets lessened, which just sucks. Because, I mean, how did they not expect her to bleed out if she hadn't got help? Yeah. So it's like, okay, if the intentions weren't there, then she would have gotten less time. That just sucks. But she tried to just say, well, we had an agreement and then Adams showed up and she freaked out whenever I started cutting. So I had to, I had to tie her up, but I was going to untie her. And I did, I untied her pretty immediately after I tied her up. She just needed to calm down. So she was just talking about it. Like it was a whole arrangement that it was like, almost like she believed her own lie is how I'm picturing it. So the theory of the case was that Veronica met, um, Adams at the homeless shelter lured her back to the apartment, bound her with duct tape for several days before trying to remove the unborn child with a box cutter. And the attempt failed. Adams escaped and her baby was delivered. So they pretty much just summed it up to what had happened mm-hmm. without needing to know what the intentions were. Cause that's just BS. And $5,000, like just wait till the baby's born or, you know, like, yeah, what the heck? That doesn't How that fucking, yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Why risk accidentally killing, even if they had arranged this, you wouldn't risk accidentally killing the mother i don't know right but anyways um so that's what happened and adams it was so spiteful about it and i mean rightfully so she was turning around in court talking to the family of veronica saying i hope y'all are proud of y'all's daughter and y'all's sister wow (laughs) she was just she was just like fiery so that was the story of tika adams and miracle that was a crazy ride Gosh, it's just, I can't even picture. That's like a horror movie, mm-hmm. which there are horror movies based on that kind of a thing happening, but geez, she lived a lifetime through it. movie. And IFC type style movies. Ah, uh, yes. I forgot what it was called. It's called Inside. Oh my God, it was brutal. I've never seen Anyways, that. You should, you would like it. Mm. It's just like a bloodbath the entire time between the two characters. Actually, I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. I think it's a French actress, but I don't know. I can't remember. Or like a foreign movie, but it's in English somehow. I don't know. Let me look it up. But it is called Inside. Hmm. And there it is. Pretty disturbing. It's pretty Mm, violent. That's not the one I was thinking of, but this looks good. It's a 2007 Mm -hmm. one. Oh, yeah, it is. It is... um, French, I believe. So it might be in French. Yep. Uh, Four months after the death of her husband, a woman on the brink of motherhood is tormented in her home by a strange woman who wants her unborn baby. There's a remade version that came out in 2006 with the same name. I mean, 2016. 2016. This is the one I remember. 2016, yeah. Um, it It might be a little more subtle, looks like, than the other one. It might still be good. Who knows? Mother's Day. Are you ready for this? Yes. Dude, <laughs> I can't I can't wait to get to the end because you are gonna be like, what? I'm so excited. Okay. I feel like oh, I can't wait to hear your reaction. It's either gonna be really bad or really funny, but okay. So mm-hmm. hopefully you haven't heard this already, actually. Mm. I will say a warning, a trigger warning to anyone that can't handle child death. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. skip to the very end, I guess. Mm-hmm. So here we go. In the quiet suburb of Salina, Texas, which is just about an hour north of Dallas, lived the Mabels. 
husband Travis, his wife Olivia, and their seven-year-old son Aiden. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay. They were all occupied. Shit. (laughs) 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 They were by all accounts a well-adjusted, pleasant nuclear family living on a sprawling property called the Footlights Ranch. Olivia was described as a loving mother who cherished her son dearly. They seemed to have the perfect life until tragedy struck on March 13, 1990, and it changed everything. That day, Aiden was out playing on the property but didn't show up back at the house as promised, so the family went out to search for him. There, lying in a small pond, was Aiden, dead of an accidental drowning. The death shocked the entire community, but especially affected was Olivia. Overcome with devastating grief, she totally shut down, alienating herself from her friends, family, and work. Uh, Once a cheerful, friendly woman, she turned into a morose recluse to the point that it led to her husband, Travis, leaving her and their divorce in early 1991. She was seen around occasionally, and then one day in September 1991, she suddenly vanished without a trace. When weeks turned into months and months turned into years, with her house abandoned and no sign of Olivia, people just assumed she had run off to start a new life or killed herself somewhere out of depression. But then two and a half years later, on February 27, 1994, police received a silent 911 call originating from the Mabel house. <laughs> we, I'm getting myself scared. Arriving at the house, they broke down the door and entered what they initially thought was an abandoned house. Oh shit. Let me redo that. Cause I forgot to say who entered the house. <laughs> <laughs> Arriving at the house, police broke down the door and entered what they initially thought was an abandoned house. The house was a mess, and the air was thick with dust. Searching through, they found Aiden's bedroom, immaculately kept. In the corner of Aiden's room, perched upon a rocking chair, wearing a nightgown and slippers, and clutching a stick-figure doll, was the corpse of Olivia Mabel, found at last. What? Judging by the look of her body, investigators estimated she had been dead for months, at least, although the cause of death was not apparent. Uh, In front of her was a crude altar made up of a trunk covered with a child's bed sheet. On the altar were photos of Aiden, drawings, letters written by Olivia to Aiden, several of Aiden's toys, candles, flowers, and an urn full of ashes presumably Aiden's. Affixed to the front of the altar were ceremonial writings and a language lead investigator Terry Goldshire didn't recognize, which turned out to be Sanskrit. Uh, The writing translated to English as construct or to build. Investigators also found a handwritten note dated February 27th, 1994, the same day the 911 call came in. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Dated the same day the 911 call came in, but months after Olivia died. The note was on the altar, and it read, My Aiden, 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I should have never let it get like this. I'm leaving. I'll not let you keep me, you vile, evil creature. Mommy's coming for you, Aiden. My sweet Aiden. Mommy loves you. Hmm. The official statement was that Olivia postdated her letters, but several of the officers felt a presence in the house and they sought explanations from paranormal experts. Francesca Santiago, whose uncle, whose uncle. <laughs> was he ugly? <laughs> I don't know. Whose uncle was into really dark occult stuff was one of the first cops on the scene. To her, the altar suggested that Olivia had manifested a tulpa or thought form. I did mention a tulpa, I think it was in the Black Eyed Kids episode. Yes. But for those of you who don't remember what it is, a tulpa is a concept in Buddhism where an object or being is created through spiritual or mental discipline alone. Like you just create it with your thought. Mm -hmm. So is it possible that Olivia created a tulpa? Perhaps in Aiden's image to keep her company and then it turned evil or was the was it evil the whole time and just sucked the life out of her? Mm. Belgian, French explorer, spiritualist, and Buddhist, Alexandra David Neal observed Tulpa creation in 20th century Tibet and wrote in Magic and the Mystery in Tibet, once the Tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself from its maker's control. This, say, Tibetan occultists, happens nearly mechanically, just as the child, when his body is completed and able to live apart, leaves its mother's wombs. womb. Womb. <laughs> it together. I'm trying to be scared. Okay, well, that was the end of that. So, <clears throat> I let me tell you. I was like, wait, what happened? So they just found her body and then they think that she created a tulpa and it might be out there somewhere or whatever. Mm. Well, then here's the part where you're going to be like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. So I did all of that research. I was really excited about the story and come to fucking find out that it isn't fucking real. Shut your mouth. It was a concept for a Kickstarter project called Thoughtform. Like, it was going to be a movie. But they fucking failed, and they didn't make enough money. So it was, they just, I think they threw this story out there, like, to promote. And then this, the movie didn't happen. So now this story is just floating around everywhere. Like, I looked up, like, I tried to look for, like, news articles or something. Nothing. There's mm -hmm. nothing. No. I was like, this motherfucker. I'm into it, though. Yeah. I'd watch it. I still think it's a great story to tell for Mother's Day, and it did freak me the fuck out at first. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. like, mother's love is eternal. Yeah, I was, like, freaking out. And then, yeah. But I originally heard it on TikTok. <laughs> One of my friends sent it mm -hmm. to me, and she was like, dude. So I, like, looked it up and shit, and I was like, I was going to town, like, fucking writing all this shit, and then nothing. Damn. Yeah. So, it was. Huh. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about the autopsy or whatever. Just Yeah, I was, I was, like, 
actively searching for all of this information. There was nothing. I was like, motherfucker. But I still thought it was a good story. So it was. Oh my gosh. I was so um focused on figuring it out. But. Uh Yay. my sources were mysteriousuniverse.org, the 13th floor.tv, coolinterestingstuff.com, and America's Most Haunted.com. Yes. Mm-mm. That was good. Um <laughs> off the top of your head. Who wins best or worst mother in a horror movie that you remember? Um, God dang it. There's several that I've, that I can think of. And they're not even mm-hmm. horror movies. They're just shitty moms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in a horror movie, I can't even, Ooh, in The Conjuring, the mom gets possessed. That one's fucking nuts. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, The first one I thought of was Hereditary, just because that's still so fresh in my brain. Yes. I didn't even – I try to not think about that movie sometimes because it it did freak me out. It just stays with you. I don't know. And and her scream, it's so blood-curdling when she finds it. I also just (laughs) picture her – oh, I'm getting a chill again. I picture her in the mm-hmm. ceiling in the corner. Oh, hell no. What? Oh, you know, it's just because it's like dark. Like the freaking screen is Dude, dark and yes. you don't see her yes. until, and then you see her and you just, your, yes. your stomach drops out of your ass. Dude, and you're I like, screamed oh, so loud. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. That's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I guess Jason Voorhees' mother. She's, she wins mother of the year. Um, I did look up mothers who tried to get revenge, mm-hmm. and um, they just ended so subtly. Like, it would be devastating stories about their sons going to summer camp and then getting molested, and then the the men getting off with a slap on the wrist, so the mom would just shoot them during court or something, and then it would be over. And I was like, well, it's not as intense of a, or a long story as I'd like it to be, mm-hmm. but it would be worthy of mentioning. And I also looked up... Um, mothers who saved their kids but those also were very short stories like one lady threw herself in front of her rolling vehicle to stop it from going that is fucking crazy the moms that like can lift shit like they have like this superhuman strength to save their kids that Mm. is crazy Oh, and I saw, I don't know how I was able to keep watching it because for some reason now more than ever, like watching kids or animal videos, I can't handle anymore. But I saw, (laughs) um, I came across these twins that were, my stomach was already like at the bottom of my ass whenever it began, but they were playing on a dresser by pulling the drawers in and out and sitting on the drawers. The dresser, of course, falls over onto them and one of the twins is stuck underneath and the other twin is able to freaking lift it off of the other one. <laughs> like, even just very little. Like, oh, my God. I was like, ugh. And then you see it all on the nanny cam. And oh, I hate doing this. But of course, I was like, the mom was like, we definitely screwed the dresser into the wall. But I was like, how about just, like, watch where your kids are at when they're, like, two years old? Like, <laughs> But anyways, we can't be perfect all the time. Yes. Kudos to all the moms out there. Um, Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Yes. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Yep. And I guess, I don't know. 
I guess that's it. That's it for this. We um, tried to pick something a little different. Didn't want to. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Casey Anthony stuff lately, but I did oh, not want to do that. <laughs> that would be like a three-parter. And also, yeah, she deserves no attention on this day whatsoever. Yeah, fuck that girl. God, it still just pisses me off. But like I said, I don't want to stray the focus away from the true mothers out there. Yes. Um, I'll let you finish her off. Ew, that sounded gross. (laughs) (laughs) We hope all you mothers put the babies to bed early and get finished off on Sunday evening. Oh, shit. (laughs) Or, you know, finish yourself off. You don't need no man or woman. (laughs) You don't need no man. I'm here to become a mom. You kind of need... Something. What to become a mom? You do kind of need something. But. Oh yeah, no, no. I meant to get finished off. You don't need nobody. Oh yeah, no. I mean, women get pretty creative when they don't when they need some a little something. <laughs> Hence the shower head, which I still haven't figured out how to use that way. But anyways, oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're gonna. Yep. I don't know if that'll make the final cut, but here's to open yay um i we also forgot to mention we are now at 100 followers on instagram yay so thank y'all for following us keep your eyes out for more posts and clues as to which episodes are coming up because sometimes we'll post hints and make sure you follow our twitter account that's under the same name give me the creeps Mm -hmm. Like and review on Apple Podcast. All the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love you, Mom. Oh, yeah. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>